this is bad because I won't buy something if I can't hack it now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a, a part of my life. That's you know, everything I do, you know, I'm always thinking like this guy, I was talking to him today. And I social engineered him, I got, I got his password out of him. I'm George Comedy, and this is First Watch. In the last of our series recorded live at Black Hat, I wanted to dig deeper into the hacker mindset. And what can defenders learn, and how can they apply those insights into their practice? Today, my guest is Dr. Louis DeWeaver, Principal Consultant for Cybersecurity at ACA Group. He offers a perspective informed by years in the military, in the university classroom, and from the front lines of client risk assessments. He's a regular pilgrim to Hacker Summer Camp, and that's where I had the chance to sit down with the good doctor. Dr. Louis DeWeaver, welcome to First Watch. Thank you. Um, it's really good to meet. We've been going back and forth on LinkedIn for a couple years. Yep. Uh, we're here at Black Hat. Um, I want to start with education. Uh, you are a doctor. You know, you went and got your PhD. Um, I think you've been. You told me in the elevator you've been coming out here for ten years. Yes. So you are a student of the game. I think cybersecurity requires constant learning constant um so just want to get your take on you know how you keep yourself educated how do you take the learnings here how do you assimilate that information it can be overwhelming it can be like i was just talking with somebody else it could be an intellectual high and then like a month later you're like i don't i can't remember anything i saw i don't know how to apply it so if you could speak to that that would be that'd be great oh um the reason i start coming out here um first it was it was a physical security type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a job where I actually installed cameras um, in casinos. Mm. Um, so I came out here to Wins Casino because they were, this is, I'm probably giving away my age, when they were switching from videotapes oh, yeah. to, to regular digital um, security. So I had a chance to go in the back room, meet Stephen Wynn. It was, it was, it was great. But then I noticed that, you know, physical security from being a police officer in the military, um, you have a certain um, knowledge about criminals or criminal mind. So I started coming out to Black Hat and DEF CON um, to learn more about um, cybersecurity because I've been in it for a long time. Mm-hmm. All my degrees are based off of cybersecurity. So in order to stay relevant, you have to attend these conferences. You know, I, I watched the video. Um, uh, I can't think of the gentleman's name. I wouldn't put him on blast like that. But he was saying a lot of negative stuff about Black Hat and DEF CON. Um, but I've found out from even making the contacts that I've made that without being here or being in the industry where you can get hands-on, mm-hmm. it's hard to stay relevant. Um, even when I was teaching, I was doing things like the MITRE ATT&CK framework um, teaching them to think like hackers. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me to stay relevant, I have to come out here and I have to get my hands dirty sometimes and, and sit with people that probably normally um, in a regular business setting you wouldn't normally sit with. But um, I like the atmosphere. I like the people. Um, so Yeah. I also uh, I was telling a couple of people I love that 
the conference layout at Mandalay is also next to the beach yes. at Mandalay. So you have all your cyber peers. You've got all these big banners, insider threat this, IoT that, and then people walking by with, like, inner tubes. <laughs> like, the, <laughs> yeah. like the civilians are like, I'm just trying to get to the beach. I don't know what yeah. any of this is. And, you know, um, some even the Uber driver, which was funny, he told me, hey, you, you picked the wrong week to come out here. And, you know, I'm just saying, why? would you say that? And he said, well, the hackers are here. You know, he turned the Bluetooth off on your phone. And I'm just laughing, you know, to myself thinking, okay, um, you know, I think I know from the first time I came out here, I ended up um, featuring, featured on the um, wall of sheep. Uh oh. Because of course, you know, my first time out here, I didn't really know. So, you know, some people took me under their wing because I thought I knew it all. Yeah. But I learned a lot. So that's why I constantly come out here. You have to know both sides um, in order to be relevant. Um, I, like John Kennervig, he said, you know, I, I can throw his name out there. But he always says the problem with cybersecurity is the security people don't understand networking and networking people don't understand cybersecurity. Mm. So you need to understand both. Um, and you have to understand the good and the bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one thing to see research on new vulnerabilities or exploits um but it's also another thing to just kind of be in the mix with that mentality because i think a lot of defenders now they're coming up through boot camps they're coming up through certification programs but it's it's kind of all that one side they're not yes. coming through you know maybe they don't have friends who were like phone freaking or just doing anything and i've always heard from CISOs that you kind of need to have you need to think of it as a game right like because you come in into work they got nothing but time and they're gonna they're coming at you right so you just have to if you don't know the other side you don't know that psychology I mean you can do everything you want in terms of controls but you're how would I get around this control how would I circumvent that entirely you know and I think the the problem with the whole industry um, is a lack of knowledge as far as you know, they'll take certifications before they take anything. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm a big component of uh, uh, certifications once you've been on the job. The issue I have with certifications, um, when I had my CISSP, I went to a boot camp mm -hmm. for seven days. And later I had my CISSP. The same thing with my Cisco certification. But did I really know it like I should have known it? No. So experience is the best teacher. And I think that the industry, if you look at any job, they're asking for these certifications. But if you look at the industry and what's going on and the cyber techs, some of the smartest techs in the world are working for some of these big companies. Mm -hmm. And they're still seeing cyber attacks because they're not thinking like hackers. They're mm -hmm. still thinking like network people. Mm -hmm. I always um, related to being a police officer and being a firefighter. So if you have your network people doing cybersecurity, guess what's going to happen? If there's a fire or somebody's getting robbed with mm -hmm. the analogy, which one are they going to go to? If the internet goes down, that's what they're going to do. I, I was a big proponent of that when I worked at the university. I got them to split it. So it has to be split down the middle. Cybersecurity and networking has to be separated. Mm. Um, or we're going to continue to see these cyber attacks. But until everybody ad adopts zero trust, where you can't trust anything, trust is now a vulnerability, we're going to continue to see it. Every organization is sooner or later going to have to move to zero trust. If they don't, 
they're going to cease to exist because the kids are just getting smarter and smarter. As and, you've seen, uh, <laughs> and younger and younger. Younger and younger. You know, my son, you know, uh, really wasn't a computer person, but he figured out the code um, to unlock, like, R-rated movies because I wore it off so much putting it in. Mm -hmm. He sat down and he figured out all the codes and tried them all until he got it. So, I mean, kids are just... <laughs> he decrypted is, the remote. <laughs> yes, at five years old. So I'm, I'm thinking there's, you know, kids are, are just getting smarter and smarter because they're using technology. So we have to um, move to a framework that's strategic. Um, we have to move away from the castle and the moat because now... There, um, there's, there's no castle. <laughs> there's no castle. Everyone's uh, on the internet. Yeah. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times I assess companies that are 100% um, in the cloud. They think mm -hmm. they're safe until, you know, I show them how I can just easy compromise one of their users. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're going to, we'll get to those, the human yeah. end user, but I want you to say a little bit more about zero trust. Cause I mean, we've been talking about zero trust for a decade and I know it's not easy to kind of shift the entire framework. Yeah. I, I, I would reckon, I don't have any data to back this up that certainly COVID and the intense sprint yes. to remote work has to accelerate that because it, it evaporated the perimeter. It's like, you just go home, you take this stuff. I don't, you're on home Wi-Fi for now. I'll get you a VPN later. You know, it's like a lot, you know. And it's a mindset change. Cybersecurity professionals have to change how they think about security. When the internet was first invented, um, when colleges were using it, you didn't really have to worry about it. You know, you could, you could isolate. You can't isolate anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and the issue why zero trust is so important is it's a whole mindset change. You have to get away from the castle and the moat. You have to get away from, um, I'm secure. You can't trust anyone. Mm -hmm. um, if you look at like Edward Snowden, maybe if, if zero trust was around, maybe he would have got some files, but not the files that he could get mm -hmm. because there would have been limitations. And you start off with something like, uh, um, you know, limited, limiting what people can actually access by doing, uh, I think it's least privilege. Yes. Uh -huh. But, and their issue is people look at cost. Zero trust doesn't cost anything because zero trust is not a product you can buy. Right. Zero trust encompasses everything in security. You're putting it all together to achieve what you would call zero trust is you, you're not trusting anything, you're making them verify. The reason why it's so important nowadays, the hackers are gonna get in your system sooner mm -hmm. or later. But if they have to verify and they have to go through all of this, time is money, they're gonna go somewhere else. So today, all we do is we frustrate the hackers so they'll go somewhere else, they'll go somewhere where someone does not have good security. So the only way other companies are gonna be protected once people start moving to zero trust they're going to have to move to zero trust too, or the hackers are going to get in their system, be in there four years like Target, and then, you know, who knows what's going to happen um, with our data, because data is money now. Well, it's sort of like termites, you know, <laughs> you go off and you do your work and whatever, and then you come home and you're surprised, but the termites have nothing but time. They're just going to work at that. They're going to chip away at it all day long, right? So while the business is busy being the business and operating, anyone who's trying to get in is just they're going to test every single thing that they can. And you guys probably know more, uh, your organization more than anyone. Changing human behavior is so hard to do. It's a, I mean, it's only two million years old. Yep. You know, it's like that hardware is 
is pretty set. <laughs> so no matter how much security you have, a person's at work maybe eight hours a day. They're spending 16 hours not practicing good uh, security hygiene, mm -hmm. I call it. So what are you going to do? They're, they're going to be lax. And now they're working from home? Mm -hmm. so. Well, and also, like what you said with your five-year-old, that um, the human mind is evolved to solve these problems. And, you know, hackers get a bad rap in some ways, but, like, essentially everyone's a hacker, right? Like, that employee who's like, oh, this is, this 2FA is so annoying, or I can't get this file. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to email it to myself, and I'm sort of like, like they... That end run is hacking. They may not call themselves a hacker, yeah. but they're going to figure out, how do I do my job more easily? Yep, and go around the security. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. So um, interesting, we're going to get to your uh, doctoral thesis, which was on Zero Trust in a second, but I want to round out this education piece. So when you're out here and you're learning and you're talking with people, um, what are the ways that you can take that stuff back into the work that you're doing for ACA, right? Because you're sort of, you're at the front line, and I take it that your clients are generally not at the front line. They're more preoccupied with, yes. you know, whatever their business operation is. Well, you know, it's almost like the car hacking villages or mm -hmm. any hacking village. I'm actually seeing uh, vulnerabilities, and I'm seeing them being exploited. So when I get a client... Um, that owns a car dealership, um, and they're looking at, oh, you know, how can I protect it? Now I'm actually seeing the, the vulnerabilities and things that are out there, and I'm talking to the people that, you know, these guys are sitting in there, probably the mother's basement. I'm, I'm probably going to get hacked for saying this. <laughs> now that I'm out here, everybody's going to be after me. But these guys have nothing but time. Mm -hmm. They're finding ways in, and we need to figure out how they think. So the way I developed a hacker mindset is by coming out here and listening to these guys and conversating with them um, and finding out what they do. And they're like, we only got to find one way in. You have to find yes. every way to protect. So, yeah. you know, we have the easy job. But believe it or not, um, most hackers, they don't run antivirus and other things because they never think they're going to get hacked. Yeah. So it's almost the reverse. So now Hack the Hacker, you know, I had a class called Hack the Hacker, which, you know, the students tried to hack me. And only two students were able to do it, two of my female students, and I think they're going to be good out um, out there. But I tried to get it so every senior could come out here. Because it's not only the experience of what you're learning, it's the people mm -hmm. and the knowledge. You that's, would never learn that. Yeah. That's the beginning. Of You'll your... never learn that in a book. Yeah. You know, so some of these guys have not even went to college. Mm -hmm. they, they go on the internet and watch videos, and they just become experts at it because they just constantly are doing things and learning new operating systems. So Yeah, that's, uh, that's one of the frustrating things about the talent gap, which I have some hard feelings about, you know, whether it's a, a problem of our own creation. But, um, you know, yes. this first time hackers, you know, let's say it's like 15 year old, uh, you know, pops a database, gets into S3 bucket, you know, I don't know. Jail or job? I feel like they have, you know, critical talent that if we put them away and they become a felon and then they come out and they got no other skill set. Like, I don't know that we win that way. Yeah rather than using their talents um, for good um, instead of for bad. But then you ha you have that pay scale gap. <laughs> I can make millions of dollars or I can just make this $50,000 a year. So it, it it's hard. Um, I mean, I feel like we have closed a little bit of that psychology before. Like we, you know, um, I mean, there's a reason why a lot of people 
don't turn to crime. There is a reason why people are called yes. called to serve in in some capacity, be it uh, police, fire, military. So I I think we've done that psychological yes convincing before. We just haven't really applied it to these systems. Yeah, and you know you always think about it. You know I always say I could never work, uh, work in a bank. I'd go in there weighing what one seventy come out weighing three hundred pounds <laughs> because you know you don't put people around. Uh, places that they can't handle. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I couldn't handle it, but you know those were our morals. My father was in the military. That's how I was taught. So me wanting to go out and steal something from somebody is just not in my DNA. Um, but some people, you know, they get put in situations and they say, "Well, it's easier to do," but it's really not um, because it's getting down to technology. Um, even with cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. where now it can be tracked um, through the wallets when it's being laundered or, or moved. So as long as technology is there and it keeps increasing, we have to increase our knowledge. If we don't increase our knowledge, we're going to get left behind, and then we're going to end up being, you know, the Equifax and the Targets and all of these other uh, organizations. So we have to stay up, and we have to um, now make, I wouldn't say amends, but we have to take the hacker community Seriously, mm-hmm. because these guys, most of the time, they're not charging you for things you learn. They will sit down and teach you anything. It's more about knowledge um, than it is about me being popular. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where um, the divide comes in. These guys come out here with all this knowledge and they're passing it on, just like I was passing it on to my students. Because it dies with me if I'm the world yep. famous hacker and I don't share. Yep how I know how to do things. So I think that's where the hackers are, their mindset, um, a lot of them. And that's why the skill gap and things are changing. But you have to have hands-on. Book work is just not going to be the same. Yeah. You know. I, I've seen a couple of companies. I know, you know, they're huge enterprises have their own red teams, purple teams, blue teams. But I have seen some companies sponsor hackathons. Yep. And it's just try to get in. You know, and it's outside. It's like not a red teamer that works for the company. It's completely independent, independent hackers, and then they can identify some talent that they need to to bring on board um, because it's a it's a mindset thing. If they're not inside the company, they think completely differently. And, and it starts with developers. Developers are developing software. Mm-hmm. They don't care about security. Now they have a flaw. A hacker finds a flaw and they exploit it. So everyone needs to have some type of sense of security, mm-hmm. um, and that's the problem. It's everyone's job, not just the people um, who uh, do that task every day. And I think once people wake up and say, this is my job, or I might not be, the company might not be around, things will change. Or, God forbid, I can see a lot of companies, um, in my prediction, in the next 10 years, there are going to be a lot of little small businesses and big organizations that go out of business because they fail to adopt zero trust. Zero trust is never going away because it's, it's not a product. It's a mindset mm-hmm. on how we need to change. Technology's changed. We can't have the same mindset that we had when the internet first got invented or we're just, you know, yeah, let putting me, the cart before the horse. Yeah, let me push a little bit there. Um, I think the common conception, security, we talk zero trust a lot, but then you take that into an organization I don't know if Zero Trust has a marketing problem. It feels like antagonistic to the to the workforce. Does the the side of the company that cares about growth and go faster, um, you know, our security teams challenged to explain 
how is this going to help the business and not slow it down and like make everyone like log in there three times go. and do this, that, and the other. And the issue is if you have a cybersecurity person that does not understand business, they can never talk to a CEO or CFO mm -hmm. and tell them how they can save the company money by instituting zero trust. Um, really, a lot of tools that are bought, it's, it's an after effect. They're being reactive instead of proactive. Something happens, we get hacked, now we got to go out and spend all this money yep. rather than using what you already have and just changing your mindset. Mm -hmm. So it's like, am I going to accept this risk and we might go out of business or am I going to just move and, and have to frustrate people for them to stay safe? So it's a, it's a hard sale, but zero trust is, is being sold as it's a product because you have a lot of organizations mm -hmm. saying, oh, you can, we can give you zero trust. You can't. Zero trust is not something you can buy. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a mindset change. And I keep seeing that a lot because it's about the way that we think about security has to change mm -hmm. because technology has changed. And if we don't change, we're going to see worse and worse hacks than we already see every day. Yeah. I mean, you said trust is a vulnerability. I fully agree. Um, I was an anthropology major, so I'm sort of fascinated by evolution and, you know, uh, human psychology um, and you look at like lapsus for example you know most sophisticated organizations in the world I'm sure they've got many layers of controls but all I have to do is convince you the carbon-based life form that I am somebody else that you trust yes and then I just, just end run around all I mean, if we if we ever if you ever turn on the TV and you look at catfish that's yep. kind of what we're looking at mm-hmm People are being catfished by thinking, you know, organ security. I don't even know this is the person, but the device is registered to us, so it must be the person. Not even monitoring what type of activity mm -hmm. they're doing, nothing. They just trust, and that's a problem. You can no longer trust any device that's connected. You always have to verify and re-verify and make people re-authenticate. Uh, and yes, it's going to be a pain. You're going to get older people who are going to want to leave the organization, but... The downfall is you might not be around. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we've talked a lot about zero trust. Outside of that, you're here. Uh, it's the front line. It's the avant-garde. Um, I guess I want to ask, what is preoccupying you? Like, what's the what's the thing that's... What do I do all the time? What's sticking in your mind the most? This is bad because... I won't buy something if I can't hack it now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a, a part of my life. That's interesting. You know, everything I do, you know, I'm always thinking, like, this guy, I was talking to him today. And I social engineered him. I got, I got his password out of him. He's like, oh, these hackers are here <laughs> and nobody. So we start talking. I'm like, well, you should have a secure password and you shouldn't use your, your daughter's name or your baby's birthday. He goes, you know, I use my daughter's birthday and my daughter's name. I said, what's your daughter's birthday? And he gave it. I said, what's your daughter's name? I said, see, I just got your password. He said, oh, because you were being nice. I said, exactly. I just social engineered you. And he thought he was, he said, well, I said, it's just that easy. Um, I just live, eat, sleep, and drink it. All I do, I'm on my computer 24-7. <laughs> you know, I brought, I bought a Mac um, book, an older one, and I put uh, Cali Linux on it, and I mm -hmm. dual booted it to bring it out here. It's just what I do. I, I don't know why. You know, it, at one time it was physical security mm -hmm. um, I would walk in the store and I'd see people shoplifting you know because it mm -hmm. just became you know they say once you're a cop you're always a cop and it's it's true 
Um, so yeah, and that's the uh, the behaviors. Yes. That you. So let me. I'll just draw this analogy. Yeah, like if you've worked in retail or you've been in the police and you can see the behaviors. The retail uh, employee sees, oh, some people are. They they want me to go check on this size. That's cool. They're probably going to buy. No, they don't see this person has come to you to ask you several times to go check on a size. They came in with that group over there in the far corner. You know, it's like a, a diversion. Yes. But you have to see beyond that behavior. So I want to draw that analogy. Yeah, certainly for cybersecurity. Oh, this person is like in a real bind. And okay, they just need the MFA token this one time. You know, it's just like, yes. it's like what is that behavior, that trigger? Yeah, you yeah. got to see that. Or, you know, um, I, I left my phone at home. I, I, I can't get on my computer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now you have uh, the hackers are even getting smarter. They're doing voice prints now. Yep. Now you have to be uh, uh, careful when you answer the phone. There was a company in Michigan where a, 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 a secretary got a call from a CEO. It was his voice. He told her to wire money because mm -hmm. um, they advertised how they were going to this big conference and they were buying this software um, because they got this big grant. And she actually wired fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, because it was her boss's voice. Well, you do tell your boss, no, call me back, or I need to call you back. She just did it, and now they're using voice print. So now, if you get a phone call and it's silent, you go hello, hello, and you say who is this, and you know, now you know hackers are catching your voice print and using it. You can't even use your phone anymore. <laughs> <laughs> What's the world get to you? You can't do anything. I'm just so paranoid. Even I was a private investigator. Even if someone makes a couple of turns with me, I'll do something to see if they're following me. It's just, it's just well, in my you, DNA now. You would live in a paranoid space, man. You <laughs> yeah, went from I, PI to cop to military to cyber. And not throwing shade on anybody, but you know, even a post that I put out there trying to help people to stay safe at Black Hat. One guy said, you're just paranoid. And why are you doing this? And, you know, because if, you, if you're not paranoid, you're in trouble. The first time I came out here, I thought I was the smartest person in the world. But the uh, wall of uh, sheep showed me that I was not as smart as I thought I was. So I needed to learn from the people who do it all the time. That's all they do. That's so, cool. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll end it there. Thank you very much for taking Thank time you. out of your to your Black Hat experience. And, Anything and for out. you, man. You know, I missed the um, last year. I, we missed connecting, and I felt bad. So I'm like, I'm not going to do it this year. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Yep. That's it for First Watch today. A big thanks to my special guest, Dr. Louis DeWeaver. First Watch is a production of Safeguard Cyber with original music by Matthias Zaffaletti. Subscribe to First Watch wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and until next time, stay safe, stay strong.